and welcome to episode two of Cusp. That's the currently untitled surf podcast. I am Michael Saramella, and I host this show along with Stace Galbraith. Stace, how you doing? Mikey, I'm good. How you been, mate? Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, basically, been on the tools. Um, Pipe Masters finished about five or six hours ago, and I've been up all day, basically preparing stories and Instagram posts and all that sort of shit for stabmag.com. And um, yeah, there were quite a few storylines that played out today. Yeah, there was there was more than a couple, wasn't there? And yes, I am your Australian uh, counterpart, and it's good to hear that I've, um, don't really know what the word is, Australianified you already with your slang of being on the tools. That's very classic way of describing your day down here so that should win a few people over for you although you don't really get too many blisters writing instagram posts but that's uh i can let that slip because i don't get blisters filming either but it's a funny way of describing a day's work on the beach yeah that's very true it's a pretty lucky day to be a surf fan what first time since 2003 i think i read on dave proden's instagram Pretty pretty cool to see the two guys that were the front runners essentially uh, end up in the final. So, did you get to see most of it on the beach, or were you up at the crib? Yeah, I spent the first half of the day up at the crib, um, kind of doing the computer work, and then I went down to the beach for the Gabby and John heat and stayed from then on all the way to Italo obviously winning. Um, and yeah, I mean like. It sounds so cliche, but watching that wave do what it can do, even though it was maybe like a five or six out of ten today, um, and yet just watching, again, cliche, but the world's best surfers, like putting themselves in position and just kind of like slipping into these offshore, peaky, beautiful waves, there's kind of nothing like it that I've experienced. Do you kind of get a bit more of a grasp being on the sand, like... Um seeing how much someone like Gabby moves around the lineup or is that kind of still kind of something that doesn't translate I wondered from your perspective no absolutely so I was um actually at there was like a Red Bull viewing party at Jamie O'Brien's old house the one that's like right on the beach in front of back door yeah or I guess it's more pipe but mm. and I was kind of standing behind this pole and it allowed me to triangulate the lineup more than I would be able to if I was just looking straight at the horizon and it was fascinating because you'd have some surfers sit on one side of the pole some surfers sit on other side of the pole like there there was probably a 30 to 40 meter range in which they would actually move and obviously certain sets hit certain parts but to me it seems like when I am out at pipe like those really deep lefts seem like really sketchy to me because they like hit that middle part and just go really really fast but someone like Italo and Gab like they're really not afraid to go sit back there because they know how fast they can pump through that section um and like Kelly too but I guess he's more hunting the rights um but then you have other guys who just you can tell they like that little corner pocket like the end of the left um and they can kind of sit and like a like a backsider like a Michelle Berez and he just likes to drop in like kind of on the peak and like just sit in there and get super barreled so yeah there's a lot of different approaches and interestingly enough i was like able to triangulate it a little bit and it was pretty cool to see that yeah it's, it's so crazy hey like how even 
from like Jamie's house to the little greenhouse or whatever, and then the places that Billabong, well, now Hurley, but Billabong's off the wall house, and then the judging tower, like they're only, I don't know, couple hundred meters apart but every different house has like a different view and it's it's actually pretty cool that you say you got a tree to line up against because most people on the beach yeah like you say you don't really get that opportunity to have a sort of mark in the sand to really get that because i think yeah i think that's what someone like both of the yeah, gabby and uh it's low do pretty well today um well i guess we pretty much we got to start with giving giving props to the the young man who pulled it off what do you what do you think about uh it's low today so I yeah I guess and this is such a strange emotion to have because I obviously have absolutely nothing to do with the success that he's had but I just feel so like proud for him yeah to come up from where he has and like he came onto the tour I think in 2015 yeah and I didn't really know anything about him and my first instinct was oh he's just going to be another one of those goofy-footed Brazilians that comes on for a year and can't hang in real waves yeah yeah and he proved me wrong right away. He won Rookie of the Year. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I actually kind of like this guy. Yeah. And then every year he's gotten so much better. Like it's nobody is – well, I guess actually Felipe had a similar sort of progression in his surfing, but it, it's maybe stopped, I think, at that <laughs> the most important juncture, which is surfing those heavy waves. Yeah. But Italo across the board every single year has gotten better and better and better. And for some reason I – I couldn't convince myself that he was like a person who could truly win a world title until this year. Yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't see it. I don't know. I always saw him as like an amazing surfer, but somebody that couldn't maybe put all the pieces together, especially yeah. when there are people like Gabriel and John on tour. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he proved me wrong and I've never been more happy to be wrong about someone. Yeah. That's so classic. It's such an amazing thing. I, I do wonder, um, how um how he's kind of become like the surfer's surfer from Brazil in a way if that makes sense like he's the one that we're all kind of getting behind which kind of makes sense I think definitely from an Australian perspective we don't like to see the same person win too much so we've probably had enough of a certain person and we're ready to move on to the next flavor but um I just can't believe like we got to watch um, that all go down. Like I said, I think it was yeah, two thousand and three, where where Andy and Kelly made the final, and it was a four man final. And um, obviously that was insane. And then I was kind of probably too young to really appreciate that. Like I knew what was going on, but I still had like Kelly Slater posters on my wall and stuff. When till I got a bit older, I realised that you know. I might have pulled for Andy if I was a bit older, but um, <laughs> to have it happen in like the modern era like that is so insane. Oh, my heart was like beating all day. It was such a such a good day to be a surf fan. Um, I gotta say, I didn't didn't really um, didn't really doubt Italo for some reason. I just saw that his like preparation looked really good, not just this year, but also like previous years. Seeing how much time he put in out there, and I definitely don't think he has the talent that Gabriel has just on a natural level but he didn't he didn't stop trying you know and obviously this year he had a little bit extra help in his corner with uh Shane Dorian obviously and then it looked like Jamie was pretty in his corner as well which is sick Jamie obviously helped Adriano in 2015 which sucked because Mick was also going for the title that year too but um yeah it's cool to see him kind of get that Hawaiian support and and have that 
you know, obviously take him. I'm sure it helped a lot take him the whole way. It was kind of a mixture of everything, the hard work that he'd put in and then a bit of local knowledge on top and, yeah, just, I'm still still buzzing. Got plenty of energy. <laughs> yeah, residual from you to low. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point as well, like with that Hawaiian support, you know, that doesn't, you can't really like buy that sort of thing. Like, yeah, you're number one in the world or whatever, but that respect has to be earned and again i feel like i'm just like saying all the most cliche surf things but in hawaii like you can't just show up and be hot shit and like people are gonna bow down to you yeah like people here like you know it's their zone like they don't give a fuck who you are but italo has come over here year after year and spent so much time along that strip and done some of the most fucking insane surfing and at the same time, he's, like, the happiest, like, most joyful guy to, like, be in a lineup with. Like, and, you know, fun to watch and just an enjoyable human to be around because he kind of radiates that positivity. Yeah. He's always smiling. He's always cracking jokes with everyone. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's almost like, you know, he's setting himself up for such a great future just by being himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think he did really well keeping that kind of... Um kind of uh, program going into the final. Like, there was a few waves in that final where I was like, dude, what are you doing? That looks like a closeout. Or like, you know, why? But then it kind of maybe dawned on me that he'd gotten to where he was by just surfing and surfing waves well. And, and he didn't, like, he didn't stop that. He just kept on trying and trying. And, and then, in, in a way, I think that's what worked out for him in the end because certainly his last score to seal the final there, like, really showed with Gabby having priority and not really wanting a bar of that wave and Italo's kind of you know ability to turn what was a smaller inside wave into a, a really decent score was you know kind of how he got that far so it was it was really cool really really sick he didn't, he didn't like try to play the game and get all you know oh, I've got to get two nines to win this final like he just went out there and surfed and got enough points to win that heat, which happened to be the most important heat of his career. Like, it was it was so sick. It was so, so cool. And what well, probably did, like, a pretty bullshit error on, like, a 6-4 or something. It was wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and kind of what you're saying, like, he didn't have a single heat or a single wave in this whole event that was, like, show-stopping, like mm. Slater or Gabby or John did. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know if he... God. Oh, no, he did. Never mind. I was going to say, I don't yeah. know if he got into the excellent range, but he did. I had a theory on that, actually, <laughs> because I got I got scared. I got really scared uh, because I'd stuck my neck out earlier in the in the week or however, when we last chatted. That was probably more than a week ago, but I was, I was kind of backing him in pretty hard. And then the first couple of rounds went through and I was just thinking, oh, my God, like, I really want him to win, but the numbers just don't look good. Like, if you just look at the results and not even the video clips of, like, Gabby and Italo scoring rides up until round four, I was like, oh, like, he's going to need some luck. Like, <laughs> But then I thought, first heat of the day, which was his deal through round three and or four, was it? I think. He had two first round heats of the day, and I kind of relaxed a little bit after that with my prediction because I thought, you know, it's hard to surf the first wave of the day. It's hard to get excellent scores in the first wave of the day. The sun could kind of be in your eyes there if you're going left a lot and, like, it's not not easy, especially in that lineup with like a lot of those swells. I think one of them was like a building swell in the morning and and 
it's a tricky lineup to get excellent scores when the first one's out there, especially in overlapping heats. But that first heat gets 40 minutes all by themselves. It's the only heat that does for 40 minutes of priority. So you don't have like that 20 minutes of like sussing it out with the other guys and then kind of getting your lineup. You've got 40 minutes all to yourself. And um, I kind of, when I looked at that, I went, oh, no, nah, he's going to be all right. He's going to be right. He's going to pull through here. <laughs> and then when he did have a bit later of a heat, I guess he did get one eight eight three, and that was cool because I think at that point in the heat, he actually needed a score. It wasn't a huge score, but it was good to see him get a score, need a score and get it, sorry. And yeah, that probably, yeah, put him on a pretty good run after that. He would have been feeling good. Do you reckon he's feeling good going first every every heat like the world champs do? Would you Would you prefer that? Hype? No, I wouldn't want the first heat. Although, how it kind of lined up, Italo ended up getting pretty easy draws, being in the seed that he was. But yeah, if it was up to me, I would not be surfing the first heat of the day at Pipe. Yeah. Wow, there's so much to talk about. I don't want. I, have we done Italo enough justice here? Because every sentence we talk about, I've got. I feel like there's something to add that isn't Italo. But I really do want to just like say, well done, Italo. Not that there's any chance in hell that he's going to listen to this, but uh, well done, buddy. So stoked for you. Um, and um, maybe we'll, we'll give you a bit more of a wrap-up at the end because I just think like what he did today was so sick and I don't want to undercook him. <laughs> yeah, but to your point, there are storylines that are like more, I don't want to, again, take anything away, but they're more interesting mm. than him going out and just, you know, he won the event, he won the world title. It's amazing, but we've seen that so many times before. And there are a lot yeah. of things that happened today that we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd love to throw one at you. Um, it kind of goes back from our first chat about seeding and, and how to position yourself in a heat drawer. And obviously we saw something today that we'll probably touch on later that was just, yeah, kind of agree with some of the commentators. That was the best thing I've ever seen. Um, but uh, getting back to just the seeding, for instance, was it a surprise to you to see Billy Kemper draw Seth Moniz in round three? As far as I understand... Billy's in that lower bracket, which is a pretty big bracket, and he was one of like two of those guys to win his first round heat, so he jumped maybe like 10 spots or something. Exactly, which is exactly what happened, But, and obviously you and I both know that, but doesn't it still seem strange? Like, he basically became a CT seed, which is great for, for, like, I think Billy kind of wouldn't care who he gets. I'm not necessarily talking about him, I'm more talking about the world champs. And I actually think probably it was harder for Billy to draw Seth, obviously. I think Seth's probably better out there than Italo. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, I thought that was a weird dynamic and I thought that might sort of, in a way, really help anyone that was looking at that the seeding throughout the year going, how does that even bloody work? Well, that's a really good example of how it works. You could be the lowest seed, but if no one else above you wins in your bracket, you go to the top of that bracket. And so Billy ended up probably being seed 26 out of 32 instead of being 32 of 32 by the time round three comes around. And that's like, I don't want to see Billy Kemper against Seth Moniz. I want to see Billy Kemper against Gabby <laughs> or, or Italo, you know? like. <laughs> so for you, the issue is that wild cards are fun because they add a new element and you want them to like increase that fun. You want them to be part of the bigger conversation, which is the world title. I think so. Yeah, I think that's what I want to say. Yeah, it, and it was just bizarre to me. I actually thought it was arguably one of the best heats of the round on paper. Like both those guys out there are amazing. And 
um, especially Billy's competitive mind. Like a few of the trialists come through and they might only be the event they surf all year kind of thing. Like a, a Mason or someone might do like a QE or two and then the trials and incredible talent. But like the, the tour guys, they're just so, so, as you've seen today, like so, so switched on. It's nothing to do with surfing sometimes. But I think Billy matches that. I think Billy's got like crazy, crazy skills. And then he's also really clever. And I think it, he would have been an amazing wild card to see in a world title spoiler sort of situation. So I guess, yeah, I don't think that, that seating's not really going to change. But yeah, I just thought it was something that kind of surprised me when I checked the... Well, not surprised me. I knew it was going to happen. I was just a bit sad. I was like, oh, I don't want those two to surf against each other just yet. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think? Should we fucking get into the thing that is kind of in the back of everybody's mind right now? Oh, back and front and all over the place. Um, I uh, just—it's kind of that—that that just made me really smile. I loved it. What did you think of it? <laughs> I love the fact that Gabby did what he did to get the result he was chasing. Um, so before we go any further, let's just describe it in case somebody missed it, or in ten years somebody listens to this and is wondering what the fuck we're talking about. Um, wow, is this shit still going to be around in 10 years? God. It's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay, exactly. So, Far away. Gabriel Medina, Kyle Abelli, round four. Uh, super low-scoring heat. Um, Gabriel, in maybe the last like five minutes or so, definitely the last 10 minutes of the heat, got the only like even remotely decent score of the heat for a little backdoor wave, and he got like, a four. Um, yep. Kyle had, I think either two ones or a one and a two or something like that really minor scores and yeah basically coming into the last minute kyle belly had priority needed a five and watching the webcats because i watched this heat from home uh we saw a close-up of gabriel medina sending a thumbs up to the beach the wsl commentators basically assumed that Gabby was responding to the on-beach announcer who was giving a uh, an update on the heat. You know, who needs what, how much time is left, whatever. But we would later learn that that was not who Gabriel Medina was signaling to. He was actually signaling to Charlie, who was yelling from the beach, loud enough for everybody to hear, including Kayo, for Gabby to burn Kayo if a wave were to come in. And maybe 15 seconds later, Wave comes in, looks pretty average, but you never know. And Kyo's in position, Kyo has priority, Kyo's going, and Gabriel drops straight in on him. Like, the most blatant interference with or without priority. Like, doesn't matter. It's like, (laughs) textbook, if you fucking wrote a definition for what a drop-in is, it was this. And so, everybody's initial reaction, obviously, like, you watched it. What was your initial reaction? It was early, I watched it, and I, I jumped out of bed, rang everyone I knew, and we were all just freaking out, and then, you know, a minute passed, and we were, oh, okay, no, he knows exactly what he's doing, never doubt Gabby, like, I, my heart was racing, I couldn't believe what I was watching, I was like, you know, wiping the sleep out of my eyes, going, is this guy for real? Has that really happened? He's just gone from the, the gnarliest guy we've ever seen to just maybe one of the two weirdest comps back to back, like... What world are we living in? Is he doing it on purpose to say like, you know, up the system. I'm over it. I'm over you guys. I'm going to hang out with Neymar. I'm never surfing a heat again. You stuffed me in Portugal, he thought. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I don't even care. Like, I just, that was my initial reaction. I was like, is he just going full mic drop? Fuck everyone <laughs> on the, on this sport or what? And then it kind of like, yeah, calmed down and went, oh no, he's, he's the man. Like he, he, he got us. And the, you could hear the beach. Like you could hear the air get sucked out of the beach on the, on the webcast. Like, <gasps> because everyone was like, did he really just do it again? Like, oh, so that was, yeah, that was my initial reaction. And then, uh, then it all kind of calmed down and, one of my one of my good mates, he takes me straight away and just goes, "Finally, someone did it because it's it's always been available." You know, Gabby could have done it in the next heat. Describe it because some people don't know what it is. Uh, losing your second score with priority because you've dropped in on someone, much like what happened to him in Portugal. I'd actually argue he still won that heat in Portugal anyway, based on this rule. If you go back and watch that heat, anyway, he didn't. <laughs> Um, one score, keeping one score, if it beats the other two scores, it beats the other two scores. Now, in this situation, it was a four and two ones. And that wasn't through lack of trying with Kaio. Like, there's probably a couple waves he could have let go, but he had a crack at a couple that looked good at the takeoff, and they just chandeliered on him and didn't quite make it. Like, it was a pretty slow heat. Like, even Gabby only had a four and a one. You know what I mean? And he's one of the best guys ever out there. So it goes to show it was a tricky heat. There was a bit of a current ripping through the lineup, I think, and... Maybe the wind just went a bit more north than normal and it was just a tough 40 minutes. But yeah, so Gabby burning Kaio and then him losing his second score. Essentially, Kaio still didn't have enough points to overtake him and Gabby knew that. Charlie knew that. He told Gabby. Gabby had obviously, you know, figured that out as well um, and he he executed that. Um, Is that what you wanted me to cover? Sorry, went off on a bit of a rampage there. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) And it's like, just to have that presence of mind, um, to pull that off is uncanny. Like I said, he could have done that to Griffin in the next heat if he wanted as well. Griffin had a six and a one. Gabby had an eight and a six. Uh, Sorry, an eight and a five. Griffin needed a seven. If a wave comes, it's a seven. Just fucking straight face him. You're eight gets kept your six holds griffin's six and a one only equals seven you win the heat like there's (laughs) there would be so many heats through history that you could go back and look on that uh i think uh yaden nickel put something on his instagram about uh kelly yelling at yaden in 2013 you know why didn't you do that to mick or like in the moment he said why didn't you burn mick in that heat um me being the thorough reporter now that I am I went back and had a look Mick still would have won that heat 9.53 to 9.33 Mick had a 7.33 and a 2.2 and Yaden had a 9.33 so it wouldn't have worked um, but obviously there's been plenty of heats where people could have done that and they didn't because look it's not Gabby's fault that he knew the rules it's he it's the rules fault <laughs> and Gabby just exploited it to perfection um, I guess this is where you're probably going to drop on me the unsportsmanlike rule that's been circling around the internet. Oh, you don't even need me on this podcast. <laughs> I have <laughs> very bad trouble with that. <laughs> oh, sorry, very bad problem with that. What do you? What now? What, well, you, 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 you obviously saw it. You, you, you've got a, you've got an opinion on the unsportsmanlike thing. What, what do you think about it? Yeah. So Stace is alluding to a, an an article in the WSL rulebook that was basically brought to light by many surf fans 
pretty much immediately after the whole incident took place, <laughs> which is really funny to me to think that there are all these like surf dorks out there like us who like they saw the incident and they like ran to their rule book and like like thumbing through pages like oh my god like <laughs> I legit don't even know where to find that thing like we're gonna get these screenshots of this rule book and I'm like I'm still flipping through my paper handout. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the rule is I believe I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's one seventy one point one one and. It essentially states that, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to pull it up because I have it somewhere and I don't want to butcher it somehow. I, um, I actually feel like the, the 45 people that are going to listen to this podcast have already got it like saved in their phones anyway. Like I feel like it's the same, <laughs> I think it's the same crowd. <laughs> Very true. All right, anyway, um, yeah, just for right, posterity's sake. Yeah, um, so if the discipline director and commissioner's office determined that an interference during an event was intentional, unsportsmanlike, and of a serious nature, notwithstanding any penalty available under Article 188, yada, 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 the surfer will lose the benefit of counting their best event result when calculating their ranking on the relevant tour. Um, and then it goes on to say that they could also do a resurf. But Okay, so here here are my, like, the things that I see when I read this immediately are um, there are three criteria that it needs to fit um, to be deemed whatever, to, fi to be filed under this rule. And those are intentional, which we know this was because Gabby literally said it in his post-teed interview. Um, and then there's unsportsmanlike and of a serious nature, which I believe are two of the most vague and subjective terms that <laughs> exist in the English language. And I think that the WSL used them purposefully because I think that, mm. you know, as they should, as a governing body, they want to retain as much power and authority as possible. So those really vague terms allow them tons of wiggle room to basically say, well, yes or no, because this or that reason. Um, if I'm reading this rule just mm -hmm. as it is. Yep. I think what Gabby did fits this rule, meaning that I think that the punishment should be applied. And I didn't know this rule existed. Like, I don't I don't even have, like, a fucking horse in the race. Like, Gabby didn't win the world title, so it's not relevant to that anyway. Um, and the WSL is really, really lucky that Gabby didn't win the title today, that he didn't beat Idolo in the final, because they would have had to deal with this shit for literally ever. There would have been a an asterisk on Gabby's title if they didn't take it away from him, and it would have been absolute fucking chaos if they did. Um, but I do think that what Gabby did falls under this rule and that he should be penalized. And although he won't be losing a world title because of that, he could and would lose his Olympic bid for Brazil if he lost a 10,000-point first-place finish from his year. Um, yeah, your thoughts. Hey listeners, just a quick interlude here. Since recording this episode, Pat O'Connell of the WSL has officially addressed this issue, stating, The TOR's competition office and WSL disciplinary director reviewed the situation regarding Rule 171.11 in relation to Gabriel Medina's Round 4 heat during the competition yesterday, and determined that while Medina's interference was intentional, as he stated on the broadcast, it was not deemed unsportsmanlike or of a serious nature by the reviewing committee. The maneuver was deemed as gamemanship and did not pose a safety risk to either competitor. So, Gabby will not lose his Olympic slot, but it's still an interesting discussion, so I'll let our debate play out. 
Um, my thoughts are that he has done so much shit over the years that warrants what you just described, that he might have not won any world titles. He's a savage. Like, he, he, every event, you could almost think of something where he's done something intentionally to win that's been distasteful. But, He just keeps... It's like he's the only one that seems to be pushing the envelope to the point of this shit, you know? He's already had one rule change enacted that I know of, that I can think of straight away. Which one is that? When he beat Julian in France, when he first came on tour. I don't know what year he qualified. I think it was 2012, maybe. And he got in the back half of the year and he won two events. And one of those events that he won was France over Julian Wilson. Now, in that final, Julian needed a score, took off on a wave. That was definitely not the score. Uh, Gabby was on his inside on a chubby little left and got up first and was kind of, you know, uh, had had some speed and was kind of hooking down the line. Well, not hooking, moving. And he surfed around Julian and kicked out on the shoulder. Julian took off, went through Gabby's line, and then kind of threw his hands up like, what was that all about? He threw his hands up because the wave didn't really offer too much after that. It wasn't like he was about to do an error or anything. He kind of just, fuck, what are you doing on my wave, dude? And then the wave went to shit. The final ran out, and Gabby won. Um, fast forward 13 months, Julian got him in Portugal the following year, which was... Seem would have been pretty sweet for Julian, but you can't surf around anyone anymore because of that. You can't; gotcha. they can't cross your line. Um, oh, is that like why Italo got stuffed up at Bells this year? Exactly, and that's why I think this whole day has just been so funny because there's been a lot of like, obviously, Kayo and Gabby have passed. The interference thing is weird. Gabby got away with something here. Italo got stung for something at Bells that was nowhere near as bad. Like, he was kicking out of the way before Geordie even got the foam out of his eyes. Like, it was, you know... It's just... The interpretation of the rule book is just so up for grabs. Like, you know... Alright, but... Okay, but this rule was written for this specific situation, was it not? Like, what other situation could this rule possibly apply to? Um, It would apply to when people paddle people um, off the peak. Now, I know with priority, that seems, like, impossible, but without priority, it's it's not. Like, if you're in front and there's no priority, which in some heats there used to be no priority, like, priority's only a fairly new thing. In all heats, you could paddle someone in out of the lineup, you know, like, basically not let them back out the back. That would be something like that. Like, I've seen that in a few QEs where guys, you know, are paddling through the shore or whatever and they try and direct the guy the longest way back out the back possible because there's only 45 seconds left or whatever, you know. So it's for things like that. Um, being, you know, unsportsmanlike and not in the, not in the, you know, not in good taste. So, yeah, you could slap him with that for sure, but there's no way they're going to do it and I'm not, I'm not surprised that they're not going to do it because, you know, like I said, Throughout the years, there's Gabby's... How often are we shaking our head at Gabby going, oh my God, how's Gabrielle again? Holy shit. But like, at the end of the day, they're not going to do anything. Yeah, I guess not. And and just to clarify, like 
I was on the same page as you. Like, I thought when Gabby did it, that was, like, the fucking best thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. Like, half the people, or more than half the people that I was with at the time were super off it. They were like, fuck that guy. He's such a whatever. But (laughs) I live for this shit. Like, that's so fucking sick to me that he figured that out and implemented it. And But (laughs) that said, do you think that there should be a rule against something like this? I think moving into 2021... Oh, sorry, losing track of the days here. Next year, 2020, there will definitely be a rule change. That that will not go down anymore because, like I said, the very next heat, he could have done it again. And that can't happen. Like, that's not where we want surfing to head to. Priorities, like, ultimately, one for one. And I think it's sick that he's the motherfucker that exploited it first. Good on him. But, yeah. I, and I think it was the first. I tried to do some digging around today because I think Adriano did something sus at the juniors at Narrabeen back in the day. And everyone was off him, but I can't remember if that's true or not. One of the one of my older mates around here sort of clued me into that today, um, but I couldn't find anything along those lines, so I can't say for sure. But as far as I know, especially at that level, like going for a title last day at pipe, that is the new best thing that's ever been done to win a world title at pipe. Yep, I agree. It was fucking awesome. But I don't think it can happen again because I don't want I don't want surfing to go down that way. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I don't know is that is that contradictory to say that like I'm stoked that it happened once because it kind of like I don't know think about look at how much it got everyone talking like without Gabby we wouldn't have like you know the the villain or whatever you know like he's 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 that guy and I I absolutely love to hate him and I respect him so highly because his ability is just beyond most mere mortals and his tact is second to none like his his desire to win is just get out of my way i agree um and like you said though he backs it up with his talent like i don't like when guys rely on that shit and that's their only fucking shtick and it's like oh i fucking can win because i just bully everybody but like when you can back it up with skill on top of it it, yeah it's fucking awesome all right so gabby uh his next heat was up against john florence who John was basically, he, you know, he said he was only surfing this event to retain his Olympic slot, which he did exactly what he needed to do to do that. So congrats to John. That was, like, really impressive. After He's clearly still dealing with a lot of pain in that knee. Um, but, God, that heat today, like, I mean, first of all, it, it didn't seem like it maybe when you were watching it, but on paper, John got comboed at pipe. Oh, there's another topic that I want to talk about. Wow. Let's just dive straight into it. There's no way he should have been comboed. No way. Ten, he was, he's comboed to 10.63. Like, oh, sorry, not even. 10.16. Like, come on. Give the guy some slack. Look at who you're dealing with. Look at the conditions. Like, I was tripping on that, and I think the judges got let off there because that was... I just don't like it when that happens. I, don't, I really don't. That early in the heat, it's just... It's almost unfair. Like, I don't necessarily think the judges got their scores wrong. I think that sometimes the whole concept of being comboed is almost wrong. Because I think that, like, in that that two-wave set that they had where John went the first one and got a 7-5 and Gabby went the next one and got, like, a low 9. Like, I think those scores were justified. Gabby's wave was bigger. He got a little deeper. He did a little air at the end. Whatever. Mm. But you always have to think, like... If the other person got the fucking best wave you could possibly get out here and surfed it as well as it could possibly be surfed, you truly think that they should not be able to get back Mm. in the heat with just that wave? Because that's what it means to be in combo, is that you could ride the best wave on that day, 
and still not be in the heat or not be able to win the heat at least totally yep i do think it's i do think it's weird and and a really good example of of i think some really good judging was and it's similar to this is um john john and ace um four or five years ago at chopes it was kind of fun looking chopes like blue water three to six foot i don't really know it wasn't huge but it wasn't small and i'm not sure if you remember but um john john got a wave pretty early in the heat that was like pretty bizarre he got a really sick tube came out big hook then got another barrel and then did another big hook on a day where guys were just doing like the first half of the wave and then kicking out he got some weird like double up runner that was like it was a 12 it was so much better than everything else yet he still lost the heat because ace got to put his score up next and then the way that the heat went, they could actually judge the wave on four scores. And yes, John John had the 12, but if you're giving aces two sevens, well, then they were a lot better than John John's five. So I think it was like, you know, they both had a, a total that was around about that high 15 mark. Um, I forget exactly what it was, but Ace still ended up winning the heat. And I was fine with that because they, well, I think that's cool that they judged it off like four scores, not like, uh, not just like the one score and aces two ways were clearly better, but they kept it to scale because you can only judge to 10, right? You can't go over 10, but it, they just, the way that the waves fell, they got to like actually make sure that they didn't combo ace because he got in that wave earlier. Like he got his higher score earlier. Whereas like, cause Gabby got his two higher scores before John, John essentially, like, it was... John got the first wave of the set, but as the scores dropped, like, it was over. And I just feel like if you're going to give someone, like, a 9-4 and make the other guy comboed by point one, it's not that hard to just go, like, keep your scale and be like, well, it's a 9-3. It's still a 9, you know. And John John now needs a 9-9-9. And we'll see what we reckon at the end of this or not. But at least give him the opportunity, like you're saying, to do it in one wave. And it doesn't necessarily have to happen, but at least give him the opportunity. And I think there there was a there was a heat, you know, Islo and Jack at uh, Portugal this year was the same thing. Jack needed a ten point three three. He got that sick barrel and did a really cool straight air at the end. And they gave that an eight six without he didn't land the air. They gave it an eight six without the air. So they're basically saying that it's a ten if he makes the air. And he, he would have still lost the heat. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like and guys are packing so much talent, and the waves are pretty good. Got to give them a chance, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but God, yeah, that heat today made me just kind of lust for a year when John can be fully healthy and surf against Gabriel. Like, they're oh. so far and away the two best surfers in the world right now, right? Like, realistically? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, too, John John is like... Uh, you sometimes forget how good he is when he's had like this much time off because it's happened a couple of times now and we all get fired up on Medina as we should but I definitely think both of those guys at full health it, they both go well beyond it's gonna be sick hopefully next year's the year but yeah like you said I agree with you I thought John looked like he was still nursing that knee a fair bit I hope he didn't hurt it or anything like today yeah I 
yeah, it didn't look great. Like one of his, I think his first heat today took off on a right, and he just he looked like fucking I would pulling into a backdoor barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh god, I just felt bad for him. I was like, fuck, and he tried to do a little turn after two, and it just looked so fucking sore. He looked like he was trying to ride waves with one leg. Yeah, like he wasn't putting any pressure on his back foot, like to to sort of like I don't know stall or kind of hug the wall a little better. It looked like he was kind of happy just to set his line and ride on his front foot and. Obviously, his wave knowledge out there surpasses most, so that, that's a, that's all you really need to get to the quarters for him. But like when it really looked like time to to sink the boot in, it didn't look like he had it, and I was just I was just worried that he was going to get more injured, which I hope he didn't, like because it was a pretty long week of surfing for him. Had to surf four or five heats, so yeah, pretty yeah. pretty wild. But yeah, Medina definitely wins the heat. Uh, getting back to the combo thing, like he definitely smoked him. There's no doubt about that. And you say that John John's main goal was to qualify for the Olympics. I think that interview that he did with you guys was was pretty clear. He was pretty frothing to stick in the middle of those two guys, whether it's Itlo or Gabby. I don't think he really cared. Oh, I think he cares a lot. I think he wanted Gabby. Because I don't, I don't think he sees Italo as his true kind of um, counterpart part or whatever not counterpart but like the fucking person that he's really going against and if gabby yeah. got the third one over him especially in a year when john really should have won the world title i think that that mm. would have pissed him off a lot so now yeah. they're coming into next year still tied yeah. at two apiece and i think he sees kind of gabe as his andy if he were to sure. consider himself kelly which he's nothing like kelly but like just i don't really know who else to compare them to yeah, no, nah, let's just go. Let's just call them what they are. And they're both very fired up to win, although John displays it in different ways. They're both super keen to win, and they're, hopefully they get to create their own little rivalry. Yeah, but... Who's, okay. who's, who, who, wins, who wins the title next year, Mikey? Those two. Oh. John, full health. Medina, full health. Who wins the title? And hey, you could pick anyone else off the tour, too, if you wanted. I still think it's John. I still think that he is definitely the best surfer in the world. Like, hands down. I don't really think it's even questionable, actually. All right, well, we're, we're, we're due to throw some fireworks in there. If Medina can get any kind of semi or final in the first three events, his back halves are better than John's or anyone's starts. And I really think that's just the, the secret to his success for next year. It's just like somehow getting a start. Like he doesn't even have to win a comp. He just needs to get like a second or something out of those first four events. And he'll be, and he, but he 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 got ninth in Portugal. Like, he, or was it a ninth or a fifth? Like, he he didn't get a world title keeper result in Portugal, the second last event of the year, where he's used to kind of wrapping it up, you know. Like, he's oh god, he's so gnarly. But yeah, they're both super freaks, no matter what way you look at it. So I'll I'll go Medina, and we'll check in on it in twelve months' time. See see how we're looking. All right. So and yeah, got it. I mean, we just have to kind of jump from place to place, but so. Kelly wanted to get, or John wanted to keep his Olympic slot away from, obviously, Mr. Kelly Slater, who also, I mean, fuck, like, Idolo, congratulations for winning the Pipe Masters and the world title. That's incredible. But this guy is 47 years old. Um, he just won the Triple Crown for the third time in his first time in 21 years. He made it into the top 10. I actually don't know where he finished. He probably finished, what, like ninth on the CT or something? Stand by. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why this year I have just so fully embraced 
like Kelly admiration, like the the way that kind of people probably used to feel about him when he was actually like winning titles and stuff is how I feel now. Finished eighth in the world. That is unbelievable. I mean, he's literally 48 in two months. That is so wild. It's fucking baffling. Like it, it does, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. And like, I, I totally agree. Like he, he's shown some signs. Well, of that vintage form like that not some of the waves of his life this week one in particular that was unbelievable like from all accounts that was a closeout didn't see another wave like that all week and not even like not even close there were so many backdoor waves that had like that same kind of weird start and then that run and no one made it past that first section <laughs> except for him yeah. again actually against Jack yeah he's got a weird weird some weird shit going on he's psycho <laughs> so good so today he was competing for the triple crown, which he achieved by making the semis. Um, he was mm. also going for um, the Olympic slot, which he needed to make at least a final. He might have needed to win. I don't actually remember the math exactly, but he obviously didn't get that because he went up against Italo. And then I think he wanted the win because I think he saw it as a potential out for a retirement. But if I were to guess, I would say that that would have been a really bittersweet thing for him because I don't think he actually wants to quit. I um I don't really know. I, I thought that he might have dropped a retirement speech at the end of one of those interviews, but it just never came. So, like, does that mean that he's 100% going around next year? Yeah, I saw something. I mean, so Stab reported. It wasn't me, but Stab reported that he said that he... Do you take ownership when someone isn't you, but you work for Stab? Like, what happens there? <laughs> Is there like a disclaimer at the bottom of every article? Like, this opinion is there solely there of the reporter and not the view of Stab Mag as a whole, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, depends who it is. I would say, yeah, I do take some responsibility, but certainly not all responsibility. Okay, gotcha. But in this case, I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility for this one that Slater said that he, I guess, I think he said, I guess I'll have to do or I might have to do another, another year or something like that. So, Oh, one of those weird answers. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely had a gutful. I've definitely had a gutful of them, but I'm not. I'm not done with his, his surfing. <laughs> but there's no way he's not showing up to snapper, right? Like, if he wasn't competitive and he was kind of hovering around the twenties or whatever, it might be a different story. But the guy finished eighth in the world. Like, he's basically gearing up for going for a title. <laughs> well, I think that's oh, wow. maybe a little bit delusional. But yeah, yeah. Ask him. He wouldn't think that. No, Slater, you're not going to win another world title, but you're fucking rad. Um, but no, you're right. Slater did Slater did win the Triple Crown, which was um, a real bummer. I was really pulling for Ethan. I um, shattered when Kelly got that wave. Needed a 2.6, and he kind of had that little stretch on it when he pulled into it, and I was like, oh, it's running off on him. Because I also wanted Jack to get through that heat as well. Um and then obviously he easily got the score and that was Ethan's triple crown done but um I got a conspiracy for you hmm hit me how did Kelly Slater get into Sunset Beach when he did not enter the event on time and missed the close off period so here's how that happened Slater did fairly well at Haleiwa he was obviously already in Hawaii and he basically just decided like hey why wouldn't I try to surf the triple crown so he 
being Kelly Slater, he probably texted somebody very high up in the WSL. I don't know if it was Pat O'Connell or whatever, and said, I would like to surf in this event. And I'm sure the answer was, well, obviously you didn't sign up on time, but we will see if, you know, something opens up. Lo and behold, Gabby is signed up for Sunset, decides not to show up until after the event starts, and the WSL can basically do whatever the fuck they want with their wildcard entries, as far as I understand, to to QS events, right? Like Or even CT events. There's your answer to the sportsman-like question. Like, there it is right there, like interpretation of the rule they'll do whatever they want and on rule changes uh, Ethan has Julian Wilson to thank because uh, when Julian qualified he actually went third and fourth through those two events as well and didn't even get any kind of crack at pipe no trials no nothing so Ethan got the trials he had the chance to get through at least didn't quite happen um, but yeah, at least he got the, at least he got the chance, and uh, I think that Julian got that rule change, which is uh, you know cool. At least the Triple Crown guys now can uh, that are leading the Triple Crown if they're not already on the CT, they can have a crack. Which at least Ethan got a crack. I'm just spewing. Damn it. Sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that the Stab Store is now live online. Head over to stab-store.com to pick up something from our first line of apparel in over five years. Alright, so now we're going to go into a new section that Stace and I have developed, and it is called Chinwag. And basically, we are going to take questions um, from anybody listening, all six or seven of you if you have any questions about surfing about competition um about technical stuff about surfboards about whatever um yeah we just kind of want to be able to have an open dialogue about whatever the fuck you guys care about as well um so we basically sent out a instagram story on at stab and asked for people to DM us any questions that they might have and might want answered by Stace, who is a surf coach, even though he doesn't really like to be considered one. He is. He's an expert. And I'm just somebody who fucking watches a lot of surfing on the internet mostly. And I like surfing myself. But um, anyway, Chinwag is our question asking section. And Stace, I've got a question for you. Let me find it really quickly. I am absolutely shitting myself. Did my mum write it in? Because that might be like the one of six people that are listening to this thing. <laughs> so, all right. This question comes from an Instagram user named Yolo Bikeman. And Yolo Bikeman wants to know, is use of performance-enhancing drugs widespread in surfing? Let's just say that it's about professional surfing. Holy shit i am like just got blown out of my chair that's a really that's a banger um get a yolo bike man thanks for the question i don't know i can't speak on behalf of the whole tour all i can say is the people that i've ever had anything to do with or ever been around um most certainly not it's um look someone was found with a prohibited substance um, at the Halle Eva comp 
a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not really going to defame their character, but uh, they were an older surfer, and they've since... His name's Rayoni Montero. Okay, thank you. Wasn't too sure about that. And he basically, I don't think we've ever seen Rayoni again, right? Like, he never really qual- he never really came back. I think he got banned and then never came back. He's found with a needle, I believe, in his locker room, which is fucking pretty dumb. Like, if you're going to be doing that shit, do you really... I don't know how that works, but do you really need to be doing it at the event site? Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a racehorse. You need a little hit before your race. Well, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, needs needs some needs to be a bit more discreet. Um, I think that like that question is probably directed at um, some more of the Brazilians as well. And look, there is drug testing on the tour, and it's random. And it's they're also now that surfing is a part of the Olympics, the they're what's called. I actually forget what it's called, but it's something like on call. Like the athletes are on notice and they've got to be at their homes um, within, you know, certain time frames that they're given and they can be given a very short time frame of which someone can knock on their door and if they're not home and they that's deemed as a fail, um, they can... I don't know what the repercussions are, but they're, they're serious. Okay, well, I have a follow-up. Do you think that per- performance-enhancing drugs would help a professional surfer, somebody... Who's competing? Um, yeah, I got no idea. I think the main thing with, from what I've seen in movies, is that they really help with recovery. Not so much your training, but more or less you can do you can you can do more and then recover quicker, so that you can go and do more again. So with things like you know your cardio fitness and shit like that, well, yeah, I mean we see a lot of we see a lot of paddle battles. If it means you could up your wave count, it means you could up your scoring opportunity. But as far as like power and stuff's concerned, is that kind of what you mean, Mikey? Like if someone could put on more weight or, or more muscle they'd be more powerful therefore get bigger scores is that what you mean yeah i mean anything and then i like i don't know i think about fucking Italo drinking eight cups of coffee a day like <laughs> you know the the concept of a performance enhancing drug is very subjective because that obviously is giving him a lot of energy and isn't that kind of like probably some performance enhancing drugs are to give you energy I like to use Philippe a lot in a lot of examples about surfing and, <clears throat> excuse me, and power. And I think we're pretty lucky that surfing is a sport where you need to match what's being given to you. You don't really pick it, you know. So what I mean by that is, is like a wave comes your way, you know, I think the best surfers match the wave. They don't overpower it. And I think Philippe's a really, really good example of that. Look, I, there's been plenty of power surfers throughout the years, win a lot of comps and, and whatnot. But if you look at someone like Philippe, he is 40 kilos dripping wet, and he's way more powerful than Willing Cardoso. Yeah. You, I mean, sense. pound for pound. No, I, I'm not even saying pound for pound. I'm saying literally jump them two in the ring, six foot J-Bay, Philippe is more powerful. Well, okay, but William's throwing more spray. So how do you equate, like, what constitutes power for you? Speed. And being able to control that speed, like, through a a hard turn, essentially? Yeah, him going from, like, toe side edge to heel side edge, back down to toe side edge, back up to heel side edge, like, in pretty much one consistent line. To me, that's, it's, again, I'm not an expert in this field, but, I'm not an expert in this field, and I'm sure some people will probably say, well, no, you're fucking tripping, which I'm happy to hear that, but, you know, does that make sense in a way? Like, you know, maybe pound for pound's a better way to describe it, but I don't even really need to look at it that way. I just think that, like, if you've got a good technique and you go fast, 
you can pretty much, you know, un- unhandle someone who's essentially heavier than you, you know, with your own power. Yep. Okay. So the the next question kind of uh, goes along with this, I think, a little bit at least, and it comes from Jake Owen, and Jake wants to know. That's Jake underscore Owen 07 <laughs> and Jake wants to know will using a lighter board help your performance levels um, I think we should kind of both take a swing at this because part of my job at stab is to test surfboards and you're obviously dealing you know you're riding surfboards yourself and you're dealing with pros who are going yep. through like 50 boards a year yep 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 no I think that you're super well rounded in this because you're riding so many different boards with different constructions it'd be really cool to um hear what you'd like like not necessarily what you think but like what do you what do you like better so for me it's circumstantial like condition based essentially uh if i were to answer like if i had to give a one word yes or no answer to will using a lighter board help your performance levels i would say yes i think that lighter boards are more maneuverable and i feel more confident on a lighter board that i can like put it where i want in a wave and turn more sharply and almost like be less afraid of your board at the same time like you can feel like you're more connected to it a little bit and that it has less ability to hurt you um which i don't know i I don't feel like i think about that too much consciously but when i'm on a wave and i'm on a board that feels like really light i feel like i can just kind of like whip it around and put it wherever but there is a downside to that um like somewhere in Hawaii, I might not want a board that's as light um, because I'm not doing surfing that's as kind of like loose and whippy. Like, I, I don't know, you just kind of draw longer lines here and it's more kind of like driving through the water rather than turning on top of it, or at least that's what we want to be doing. It's not yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah, what yeah. we're actually doing. Some places around the world, the water's like, uh, this is a dumb thing to say, but it feels heavier. Yes. <laughs> You know, not not waves necessarily, like the actual water texture. And Hawaii is definitely one of those places. Yeah, and I mean, even the local shapers here, I think, tend to glass their boards um, slightly heavier than uh, board companies in, like, California. One, oh, because sure. they don't yeah, want the boards sure. to break, because boards break over yeah. here really easily. But two, mm. I think that it actually could be a performance benefit. Like, you don't want a little fucking wafer when it's blowing... 20 miles an hour up the face and the waves themselves are like pushing a lot harder than most places in the world yeah yeah no for sure thanks Um, for the question jake i've done some quick little research and if you're the jake that we're looking for you're 14 and you're from dunedin am i allowed to say that on an international podcast people are going to come looking for you um i hope you're not wanted for anything down there grom um I'm going to go with like where you're from and I'm assuming you're surfing places, you know, potentially like murdering Bay and and stuff like that. I think that's what it's called. Uh, and like really in the elements, really cold, really windy, some pumping waves. Hope you don't mind me saying that. But again, a lighter board in a situation like that is, is, is going to get you in a bit of trouble. It might be a situation where if you ride a lighter board in conditions like that, you feel like you're ripping, but you're kind of not uh, in a sense of like your board's moving a lot under your feet, but from a sense of like, are you utilizing the wave to its best potential, uh, potentially a slightly longer, heavier board, probably going to get you a better desired outcome, especially if um, it's windy and you're paddling into waves. 
a lighter board's going to not catch you as many waves. So that's, um, you know, definitely something to keep in mind. But on the CT, um, you know, rolling up to places like Snapper, you want your boards to be F1 cars. Like, as, as light as they can handle without your heel going through the deck and into the foam. And I'd say it's the same for places like Trestles and and um, a few of the other sort of softer, more playful waves on tour. But then when you're getting to waves like Bells and uh, over to Margaret River and then into Hawaii, you, you could essentially be using the same quiver of boards. That you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if you saw someone go to Hawaii and then whip out some of their Hawaii quiver, even the odd Tokoro when Bells gets gets overhead, which would be yeah a heavier glass job um, with um, potentially even like a a different blank with a thicker stringer. And, um, you know, all those things that, that, that help when the conditions suit it. But overall, I think when you're younger, I think it's more important to ride something a bit... Lo- I guess you're asking for yourself here. It's more important to ride something a bit longer and a bit heavier. You'll develop into a really well-rounded surfer if you can kind of stick with it. Mm. I'm just gonna let you answer all the questions from now, and that was so much fucking better than my answer. Um, nah, fuck no. Well, but, I just, I just, you answered first, which gave me the little chance to give me a quick little like Google onto his Insta, which is sick about the internet these days because you kind of can't really hide. Even though both the profiles have been private, you can still get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, and also I really want to back up the last point that you made that uh, riding a longer board when you're younger can be really beneficial, which. I don't think that many people do nowadays. I'm, it, I'm sure that you push kind of your pupils to do that because I know you coach a lot of juniors. But um, I always think back to like, look at the old videos of Mick and Joel and what they mm. were riding and yeah. the surfers that it allowed them to become. Like, yeah. if you're, you know, if you're a little kid and you're riding a board that's, you know, four or five inches longer than you and your only real option is to learn how to like turn that thing from your back foot. Um, I think it's just going to develop like a really mature surfing style and technique that everybody really appreciates. I think. Yeah, I think that it just is a a universally agreed upon better way to surf. Like you'll 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 maximize the waves better if that makes you know you feel better. It should. But then again, like it depends where you want to go. It depends how much you think about surfing. Like if all you want to do is feel good and not worry about how it looks then fuck ride whatever you want go and pick up a 5-2 epoxy twin fin and like tell your mates you're ripping that's sick because if you feel like you're ripping no one's going to tell you you're not well I might but like you know if that's what you feel then that's 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 sick but like if you really want to like get the most out of what you're being delivered and I think what the longer boards help when the especially when the kids are younger is it helps them get ready for a more variety of waves that they're going to ride the Gold Coast is pretty one dimensional but I still, you know, recommend a few of the kids around here to to ride longer boards, just even when you get over your normal boards, because it gives you a rejuvenated look at what your quiver is. If you go and pull out your dad's six six, and then you get back on your five ten that you thought was going backwards, you go, "Well, hang on a minute, this thing's actually sick." I was just overthinking it, or you know, whatever. Yep. And the other thing that I would want to say on that is, Stace, and even like I, kind of when we answer a question like this, and we're talking specifically about youth, we're thinking about kids that might want to like grow up and be competitive surfers or whatever but ultimately uh like i don't know this jake owen kid who wrote into us he could be like an aspiring pro or he could just be somebody who loves surfing and you know i think that like if he's interested in riding a lighter board even if it's maybe not like ideal for where he lives or whatever like try one 
you know what I mean? Like it, for sure, it'll yeah. be like an interesting experience. It'll, you'll probably have a lot of fun. You might not do your best surfing, but it's always good to like try something new and see what you like. Yeah. But if you're looking at getting one new board for Christmas and you're wondering what it should be for one new board, don't be fooled by the marketing. It's <laughs> all I'll. That's all I'll say about that. Wait, 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 hold on. I, I, I only have a job because of the marketing. <laughs> you rode a, you rode like a PU twin fin in one of your things. Like that's that's cool. Look, I'm just more talking about like you know, don't buy an epoxy and surf waves around Dunedin is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, all right. So is that okay? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Keep paying Mikey to ride your boards though, because that's that's it. I do like it. <laughs> It's, it's 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 horses for courses like whatever's gonna suit yep. all right so last question or actually it's a series of questions comes from stab's good friend at uh green room times which is a satirical surf instagram page and yeah he's a he's a big fan of the podcast apparently he gave us a bunch of great insights and he wants us to answer a few questions for him so we're going to do that um and this one is pretty much only for states because i wouldn't have any knowledge about this but what would you advise your surfers to do when gabby goes beast mode and paddles them halfway to new zealand to get first priority in a heat it's really hard with gabby because generally like we were talking about earlier people in that situation that have that tenacity um they don't always have the ability so your first kind of thought is, well, okay, I've got this hassle of bloke in my heat um, or people that have that characteristic. Generally, you're kind of thinking, okay, I'm the better surfer. If I have more time and I catch more waves, I will win. Or the better uh, waves, <laughs> terrible English, I, I will win. So you don't play into that game is, is usually the go. Like, Get an 05, turn priority over and start the heat. If it's like a QS beach breaky kind of situation, that would generally be that would generally be the go. I, I would love to see the surfer start catching waves and start riding. Don't buy into that game if it's not your game. If you don't know what you're doing with the whole hassle thing, don't even buy into it because Gabby reads waves like no other. Like he'll like what he did to Nat Young at Fiji that year, like they paddled all the way up the point. And then Gabby got that long one, broke away down the point, and then got a wide eight, and just like, I just thought that was brilliant. Like, he's done so much shit like that over the years, it's just been insane. So, I guess you've just kind of got to be really adaptable in a situation like that. If um, your game plan is to try to go to New Zealand with him and get the inside, you've got to be like Freddie Marias, and you've really got to back yourself, and you've really got to have that game plan for the full 35 minutes don't just hassle him with the inside for eight minutes and then let him get back into the spot where he wants to be and then let him beat you anyway like if you want to get into that like arm wrestle you got to arm wrestle for the whole heat it's not just the first exchange that's you know i i um was pretty lucky um first event with jack when he came back from his knee injury a couple of years ago he actually had Gabby a couple times in that sort of six month period, once on the QS and once on the CT and they were both in really similar conditions and Jack actually got in both times and um, Jack is not a hassler at all. 
Uh, and uh, so that was the game plan. Sit apart from each other, get your waves, and may the best man win. And um, Jack actually got him both times, which is pretty pretty cool to say that, actually. But like, there's no way in the world you're going to send a non-hassler out into a hassle heat and go, all right, mate, time to hassle this one heat of the year. <laughs> like, If you don't do it, don't buy into it. Yeah. I like that. But fuck, good luck beating him because he's so gnarly. Like, whatever game plan you do, you've just got to be on your best because he's just so gnarly. Because pretty much whatever he decides to do, he's going to get you. He's the master of winning the heat that he's in. And I think he saw that today with Kaio. Like, all he needed was four points, and he got four points. The next heat with John, he probably put together, okay, this heat, John, John, Pipe, I'm going to need a bit more than that. Let the first wave of the set go and gets a nine on the next one. Like... He's just the master of reading the play. So, yep. And to your point, yeah. so then the the obvious the antithesis of Gabby is John in terms of being a hassler, and mm. we saw John do exactly what you're talking about at Pipe against Zeke, who he obviously has a sorted past with, um, with the exactly. whole hassling thing. Yeah, great, great reference that one. That what he did there was exactly kind of what I was suggesting. But the difference though is that that heat had no priority. So Zeke couldn't really do his thing, if that makes sense. They're in the no-priority heat for that first 20 minutes, so it was really easy for John to sneak away. Okay, so yeah, there are two, or three, actually, follow-up questions here. Uh, Green Room Times also wants to know, who is the biggest hassler on tour and in free surfs, he means? Um, I don't ever surf around the events until the event's done, um, but... When I'm filming, I I notice our boy Italo get a fair few waves, so I'll leave it at that. Okay, I have a follow-up, because I'm not at these events, and I've surfed with Italo, and he gets a lot of waves, but it seems to me that a lot of times he's picking off just, like, kind of whatever's around, and he's not necessarily, like, pat, like back paddling people for them. Is that your experience or is he like getting well fucking you, you could be right way. because i only see it from the beachside angle i don't actually notice who he paddles or doesn't paddle past so you could be spot on i just sort of notice the wave counts and go well, fucking it had a hundred waves today okay but who do people least want to surf with that's the question it, it would probably still be it even though he doesn't really he's not a, he's not an asshole about it he still just catches a lot of waves and that ticks people off I think, that are in the lineup. You know, they see his spray going up over the back a thousand times in a session. They're like, again? You know? But is he paddling up inside anyone? I don't really know because I'm not out there. But yeah, it's it's tricky. I refer to Dane Reynolds on that when he broke down that in Stab in the Dark about like pro surfing versus like recreational surfing. Like, should there or is there a difference? It's, it's a weird one. But that was, yeah, that was brilliant, Dane's breakdown of that and the surf yeah. terminology thing was really good so yeah if you yeah, haven't that was seen cool. stab in the dark all-stars edition featuring mick jordy and dane you can check that out on itunes yeah. and that's a free app oh nice <laughs> that was really well done um actually i just want to put in a little disclaimer i just don't want to like cook anyone for being a hasselhoff because at the end of the day like you're there to like get a wave or two and get ready for the comp and I think most people are pretty fair and even with that. Like, there's definitely, you know, the people that probably are obvious, Gabby, Italo, like, they do catch a lot of waves and they do, you know, kind of dominate the lineup. Um, but at the end of the day, like, fuck, they're all warming up to try and win a world title. Like, it's two weeks of the year at a, at a spot. Like, I kind of like to think that they can, I don't know, get their waves. Yep. 
Yep, yep, absolutely. Okay, so now Green Room Times also wants to know who's the biggest hassler not on tour. And that's kind of like a loaded question because we obviously come from different parts mm. of the world and all we would really be able to base this answer off of is our personal experience. So like you being around the Gold Coast are probably going to think yeah. of like Snapper or whatever. And I live in Costa Rica, so mm. I don't even, yeah, <laughs> I don't even have like a one spot where I surf that's yeah. like super crowded or localized or whatever. But yeah, do you have an answer that like would make sense to the wider surfing world? Like just somebody that's um, notorious? I'm going to read the question in its full and that's who's the biggest hassler at stab, Mikey? Oh, so that's okay. Well that's <laughs> that's a different question, but I will answer that one straight up and that is Ashton Goggins. Oh he God, wow, you are ruthless menacing human in the ocean um yeah no it's bad it's really bad and he like laughs it off but everybody's like and he like makes people kind of laugh about it but then deep down people are like dude fuck this oh that's amazing hey just a quick shout out his longboarding clip that he put up like a couple weeks ago blew my bloody head off my shoulders he's phenomenal i did not see that coming so hard to do so hard to be good at longboarding Oh, it's inc- like he's so fucking good at longboarding, and then he gets on a shortboard and it looks so uncoordinated. It's crazy. But he says that basically his his whole like mantra around it is that when he's longboarding, like you know he grew up traditional classic longboarding is like perfect style, technique, everything. And when he's shortboarding, like he wants to completely separate himself. Like he wants to be like two separate people. And so he sees he doesn't see himself as. Dane obviously but he wants to ride a yeah. shortboard like Dane shortboards which is just like full just thrashing as hard as you possibly can every section mm. and you know it just doesn't look very graceful when most people do it other than Dane really um and then yeah so it's just this incredible juxtaposition though like him on a longboard and him on a shortboard it's it's pretty incredible if you haven't seen it I, I just yeah you don't have to follow him just go and check that one clip Ashton Sea Legs on Instagram now, I don't really know amongst the, like the coaching fraternity or like film fraternity. Like, I, I don't really think there's a, a really, uh, a really, um, really bad offender like that because I think we all kind of know our kind of spot down the end of the line. And then amongst ourselves, we all know like, well, okay, like, don't be a fuckwit to one another because we're going to dinner tonight. So <laughs> no one's really too bad like that. But I come from the Gold Coast where everyone's horrific. So I, um, when I go to the like the tour stops or whatever, I feel like it's it's a breeze really because everyone oh it's so crowded. There's so many people warming up for the comp. I'm like oh that's diva every morning. So yeah, I'm not. I don't really have a. I've just become kind of numb to it. I don't really uh don't really have one. Sorry, green room. Fuck. Maybe it's me. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't. Maybe that's why I don't realize. <laughs> oh. All right. Um. And shit, should we just go into our, our other segment? This one will be a, a bit shorter, I'm thinking. Um, so my whole thing is that watching surf contests for our whole lives has basically made everybody a judge. Like every time we see a wave surfed in a contest particularly, but even sometimes when we're free surfing, our mind instantly goes to like what's the score on that, right? Um, and I, I think I'm pretty fucking yeah. good at it personally. Like I feel like I get the fucking number on the decimal like eerily frequently which is 
just something that I am like strangely proud of, like as if it actually matters, like that number is super subjective to begin with, but it makes me happy whenever I fucking get it closer. Right. <laughs> so like you say, you watch the comps and you okay, go, fuck, uh, uh, the dude got a wave or whatever. And I think it's going to be a five, eight, three. Oh, it came out as a five, eight, three. Like, fuck yeah, that felt good. I got it right. Like, would you say you get the average a lot? That that was what I was saying earlier. Yes. Yeah. Just, just wanted to clarify that just because in the, in the judging circles, we call that an average judge. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that's good (laughs) the point of this section of our podcast which we're calling either what's the score or score this we haven't really figured out something with score is we're going to take things that are not necessarily about surfing and score them and basically explain why we think that it's a fucking 2.83 or an 8.17 or anything in between or on the other end do you ask these questions back to me or do we just go one way and then have you got some questions for me or how are we going to do this do, we, do I ask you the question and then do I answer it back as well after you or have you got a separate set of questions for me? Well, I'm going to offer you some separate ones, but I'd also like after I answer your question, I would like to hear your take on yeah. it as well. So, yeah, I think you should score it as well. I think we should both score. Oh, okay. Our own All right, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. Topic number one for adjudication is Gabriel Medina's crying after... The pipeline contest. Okay, so full disclosure, I didn't actually see this because I was on the beach when it happened, um, it being the end of the event, and I was actually following Italo's uh, chair up the beach. So I imagine Gabby cried, was it like right after the heat, or was it later during the award ceremony, or when was was it? A bit later on. Okay, so um, Gabby is... A historical crier, meaning that we've seen him cry in the past, um, and he's not the only surfer who has done this. There have been many. Jordy, Julian, come to mind. Um, crying out of sadness and crying out of happiness are also different things. Um, I've never seen Gabby cry out of happiness; only sadness. I don't know part because part of me likes seeing him as like this kind of just Terminator, like emotionless beast. So then. Come on, mate. Where's your humanity? Wow, you've actually really stumped me on this one. Part of me wants to say, fucking, like, don't be such a pussy about this. Like, you just fucking burned <laughs> Kayo oh, to make it through your heat. Like, and now you're going to cry? <laughs> oh, my yeah, you know what? No, what Ga- Gabby, Gabby doesn't get to cry. He's getting a fucking 3.67 on this. Okay, okay. How are you going on it? Yeah, look, I, I agree with all of it, but I, I love seeing all the toxic alpha maleness just come pouring out through his eyeballs and I love that he's not afraid to show it so I'm going to give it an 8 he's just such a macho man all year with those fucking airpods in and he's just an absolute terminator and it's not that I like seeing him lose it's more that I just like seeing him yeah being a human like fuck yeah there he is he's he's just like the rest of us he's had a bad day at the office and he's fucking spewing and it's it's you know I like it I, I, I hope that um you know, gets it all out, and he revs up for 2020. All right, so now I have one for you, um, and it is simply blocking people on Instagram. And obviously this is a reference to Gabe Medina, who blocked Coyote Belly after the Portugal incident. Oh, shit, this is a good one. Because uh, if I'm honest, I will say that I've been blocked before, um, and I have blocks before. 
Um, so what do I think about it? I can't really be a hypocrite. I'm going to have to give it a score. Um, myself personally, I'd give it a pretty low score because it's like pretty lame. Um, personally, I give myself a two for ever behaving in such manner because it's just so petty and pathetic. That's me. Moving on to the Gabby situation. That's a different story because he is like a reality TV show unfolding before our very own eyes. I got to give him a nine five because that is just him to a T and don't fake it. Just keep going hard. Block him. <laughs> Get him out of your life. <laughs> Burn him again in front of everyone. <laughs> I think I'm on the same page as you with this one. I've also been blocked. I've been blocked personally and I've been, I've, I've gotten stabbed blocked by, I won't say who it is, but a very high profile surfer for something that I wrote about them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it, I think the word you used, uh, petty is a, a good one. Like, I don't know. I just, unless somebody was like genuinely harassing me all the time and it was like annoying and something that I just didn't feel like dealing with, but like blocking someone because you don't like them and you don't like something that they say, but they're not going out of their way to say it directly to you all the time. It just, I don't know. It's just like, dude, like, don't either don't look at it or whatever but i don't know the whole blocking thing is kind of stupid and annoying because then you literally like (laughs) it's so it's so simple but it's so like effective that you just literally can't search that person or you can't tag them in anything and it's like (laughs) really annoying so i'm gonna go yeah like fucking a one five on that like blocking is lame the funny part about the situation is that kyle as far as i can tell literally did absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever in the Portugal incident. Like, it was Gabby's fault to begin with that the interference happened. And then Gabby went on and basically, like, lied about the situation on Instagram. And then Kayo started getting a bunch of death threats because of it and never said, like, a bad word about Medina. And still Kayo gets blocked. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, I guess that brings us to the end of episode two. Um... You guys, I don't know if you would be able to notice this. I'm sure that it will come out because neither Stace nor I know much about the kind of technical side of recording and podcasts and all that. But we were actually in different parts of the world when we recorded this. We uh, were on FaceTime and then we each had our own microphone to record our own sides. So we're basically just mashing those two together. Um, I hope it comes out okay when you listen to it. But If we are to continue this podcast, which I think we both want to do, this will be how we do most of them because Stace is at most of the World Tour events and I am not. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of a trial run and it will improve as we start to understand how these microphones and everything and the editing works. But, uh, yeah, just bear with us and I hope that you guys enjoyed episode two, the Pipeline Edition. Um, Stace, anything else? No, I don't really have anything to add other than thanks for listening if you made it this far. And um, I'd feel really lucky to be a part of a generation where we got a title that went down to the wire because you don't see that every day of the week. It's been a fantastic week and I can't wait for 2020. So yeah, hopefully we keep this thing going and keep talking about all the fun shit. Thanks for having me, Mikey.